Welcome to another segment of the Agricultural Market Viewpoint. This is a podcast where we reflect on various themes influencing the agricultural economy here at home in South Africa and beyond our borders. Folks, this week's focus will be on some global themes because the past week was dominated by some important events in global agriculture, particularly in the grains space. We started the week with the focus in the Black Sea, where Russia refused to renew the Black Sea grain deal. This is a deal that was uh, reached in July 2022. This is after a few months since the war had started and resulted to a disruption in exports out of uh, Ukraine. And the United Nations, together with Turkey, sat down with the leaders of Russia and Ukraine to think about how can they proceed with the exports of grain, although all other things related to war hadn't been concluded. And that's how the Black Sea grain deal came about. At the time, Ukraine had just around about 30 million tons of grain in their silos, and they were able to export a great deal of this, uh, mostly to Europe, the Middle East, North Africa, with some of the regions that benefited from the grain deal. But I think everyone in the global community benefited through the price transmissions. Because if you think about the day when the grain deal was signed in July 2022, up until, say, at the beginning of this month, the global grain prices had declined by roughly 22% on a year-on-year basis. And part of the story is, of course, the improved supply. But I think the fact that there were some grain that was moving in global trade, in, in global trade out of Ukraine and going into other places in the market. So that availability of grains in as far as trade and, of course, added to that was the improvement in general supplies. If one looks at the figures for forecast for 2023-24 season on what the, the USDA or the International Grain Council expects. So all of those factors had contributed to that. And I think, though, the availability of grain through the grain deal was one of the important component. Now, that is off the table for now. I don't know if Russia will come back or not. The demands that they were making varied. Uh, Some, they were saying, look, we need Russian agricultural bank to be reconnected to the SWIFT so that on the global payment system, they are back online there. And of course, those are some decisions that can be reached by the US, EU, and the others that have uh, uh, placed uh, sanctions on on the Russian financial institutions. And the second point, we understand that there were uh, some uh, uh, bombs uh, in some of the infrastructure that Russia may have used to connect mainland to, to Crimea over the weekend, and that may have added also to some of this anxiety. So I think some of those two things were some of the important uh, developments there. Of course, this is an upside risk now to global grain prices, and anyone will have to be watching this to say what does it mean for prices so far. We've seen that wheat prices, made prices have reacted to these uh, developments and seen some gains um, on that. And I think over the past week, for some of the commodities, they were 5%, 4% up um, compared to the start of the week if one was looking at those prices following some of these news. So that's something that we are watching. And of course, a country like South Africa, although a net exporter of grains, if you're looking at uh, how much we can export of maize, And this is something I've talked about in a previous podcast where I've pointed out that South Africa is one of the best seasons uh, this year where we could have over 3 million tons of exports for maize, 300,000 tons of exports of soybeans. But if you think about wheat, 
we're still a net importer. We bring about uh, 1.5 million tons of wheat a year. But so far, we've brought about 1.1 million tons of that. So we do have the physical supply. But of course, the price channels is something that is inescapable, uh, depending about how long will these um, uh, issues of the Black Sea uh, uh, continue or whether in the coming weeks Russia will come back to the table and renew this. I understand that global leaders are talking because there are worries about global uh, uh, food prices issues um, in here. That's the one factor that we, we all have to be watching. But towards the end of the week, there was another development now in India concerning rice. Last week, India signaled that they may ban the export of rice, but we all thought this is something that may not happen because the global rice production in general is looking fairly sound this year. I was just looking at the numbers coming from the International Grains Council. They think that for the 2023-24 production season, global rice production could be around about 525 million tons. Now, if you look at that and you compare with the previous season, it's up 2% on a year-on-year basis. And there's an improvement also in the stocks available in, in, in the world. And the key countries that are underpinning that improvement are the likes of China, Indonesia, Bangladesh, Philippines, the US, Brazil, Vietnam. Those are the primary drivers. India itself is an important producer in global rice. And if you were to look at its production for the 2023-24 season, it's down marginally by 0.4%, but still pretty much sound um, and, and really good harvest there. Now, India is an important country when you think about global rice, because in that 525 million tons that I say is expected, India makes up roughly 26% share of that. So it's a really important country. So any policy changes in India are very important to pay attention to. Now, the Indian government on Friday came out and said, look, we are placing a ban on rice, but we'll not be placing it on everything. Um, it will mainly be on non-basmati rice, uh, white rice, as well as on broken rice. So if you look at non-basmati white rice and broken rice, um, you may think, oh, okay, maybe we shouldn't worry much. But that, that category of rice makes up about 45% of what India exports to the world market. India exports to the world market about 22%, 22 million tons of rice. And of that, roughly half of it is the affected category that is actually under the ban now on exports. And people ask, why is India doing this? And there's a number of things. I mean, the various media articles that I've read before recording this podcast, they talk about the government is worried about inflation um, given the elections that are coming up. But the reality is, if you look at the India's inflation numbers, they are much better than other countries in the world and even better than us in South Africa. For example, in June, India's consumer, India's consumer inflation was at about 4.5%, 4.8%. That's down if you would compare to the start of the year where it was at 6.5%. Zooming into food, uh, which is a focus, it was at 4.5% in June this year down from 5.9% in January. So inflation is not as urgent as what the double digit figures that you see um, in in many countries of the world here in South Africa and even in the UK and parts of the EU where inflation is an urgent thing. But I think it's more of the political matter that is playing part of here. And that's the view that I see a number of articles also raising in here. 
Now, the category that is affected, I made the point that is roughly half of what India exports. But if you were to take it and say how much of that um, is is part of of, of the of the global trade global trade and and how will it be, will it be that significant? The first thing to to appreciate here is that uh, globally the, the rice exports a year are usually around about fifty million tons. Now India usually accounts about forty percent of that. But the non-basmati white rice and the broken rice that now is under the ban is about 18% of global trade. Now, if 18% of global trade is banned, of course, that presents the upside risks on prices globally. Now, you have two problems you stuck with. It's a wheat um, and other grain issue in the Black Sea. And it's now India and, and the rice. So Russia and India are causing a lot of disruption. Um, in global agricultural trade at the moment. And I think these are upside risks when we're thinking about um, inflation. And now the question can come and say for South Africa, which is probably the majority of people that listen to this uh, podcast are from my home country, South Africa. They may ask themselves, what does this mean? And I think this is important because South Africa is a semi-arid country, so we don't really grow rice. We import all of our rice imports, uh, of our rice consumption. We import about a million tons of rice a year. And about 90% of that is for us in South Africa. And the balance, we export it to our neighboring countries, Lesotho, Swaziland, uh, and, and the likes, Zimbabwe, and the likes. That's where we, we export um, the, the balance of that. And where do we as South Africa then get this rice from, this million tons? And in fact, the exact number for this year is 1.1 million tons of rice that we import. Where do we get it from? Um, 74% of it, we get it um, from uh, 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 Thailand. That's where we we import it. And, And that's the biggest supply of rice to South Africa. India is the second largest. It usually accounts for about 21% of South Africa's uh, imports. Now, of course, then when there are issues like this where they are blocking the exports, that already tells you that a certain important category of our suppliers has been affected. Other rice suppliers to South Africa include Pakistan, uh, Vietnam, China, Australia, the U.S., and Brazil. Those are some of the, the countries that we import rice from. Given the time of the year that we are in, one can argue that a majority of rice that we need has already landed on our shores. But this is an important matter because, I mean, half of the year we haven't really brought uh, some of the rice is still ongoing, upcoming. And the global rice prices may react to some of these news. Um, uh, But as per how much that price reaction or price changes will be, it's something that we will see in the beginning of this week because this news came at the end of last week. So this is an important point. But I think one can think about what's happening in India together with what's happening in the Black Sea as upside risks to inflation. But I don't think these changes, the inflation path that we have uh, assumed it would be in South Africa. And this is something I will discuss next week because we also had an important inflation data in South Africa this week. And the view that I had published in my blog was that, look, uh, I still think that food inflation would continue to moderate in South Africa. And I will explain next week about how I'm thinking about that view in line with this. But very briefly, the point is that um, there's usually a lag in prices of about three to five months between agricultural prices and what you see at a retail level. And right now, the agricultural prices before these news, of course, they were down, as I said, roughly 22%, 20%, depending on what grain commodity you're looking at. And all of that we still expected to filter through on the inflation side. 
they may change of course the price trend now and start to take an upswing as we already seen on wheat and rice to do the the same because of some of these news but what will be important is how long india keeps this ban and how long russia stay outside and not renew the black sea grain deal if it's longer then those upside risk on inflation are uh, they continue so the extent or the period or duration of all of this disruption is what will be important to influence significantly the view that we have assumed. But with all the information we have, we still think that South Africa is in a moderating past on food price inflation. Part of it is related to grains, and we have the large domestic harvest at the moment on maize, our second biggest in history of South Africa, that's about 16.4 million tons. On soybean, it's about 2.8 million tons of record soybean crop. And all of the other fruits, vegetables are looking well. And we see meat prices also softening. Those, those are all things that are favorable for South Africa. But of course, we are a small open economy. And anything that happens in a global agriculture market, over time, you see it transpire in South Africa, which is why I was emphasizing the duration of these disruptions. But these are all things that I will delve in when I think about inflation, uh, possibly next week. I think the next week's uh, podcast should focus on that, except, of course, there are more urgent uh, developments in, uh, that happens this week. As we all see now that we live in very uncertain times, a lot can happen in a day and a lot can happen in a week. So we'll see. But assuming that nothing significant happens, then I'll discuss the issues of inflation in South Africa in the next week podcast. But let me stop there for now. I thought I should highlight these things in this week's uh, podcast. There's two points, the Indian rice story, as well as the Black Sea matter and the upside risk that they presents uh, they present to, to, to inflation. That's all for the week, uh, uh, folks. My name is Wandi Lesitlobo. I'm an agricultural economist based in Pretoria, South Africa. You can read more of some of the things that I write in my blog that I've already referenced. I'll put the description of the blog, the link on the blog in the description of this podcast. It's wandilesitlobo.com. Um, and you can read some of the things that we published in the organization that I work for, which is the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa. Go online, www.agbiz.co.za, agbiz.co.za. That's where some of the things um, you will find. That's it for the week. Thank you for listening, folks. Oh,